So this morning we're preaching from 1 Corinthians 3, and we'll have a start with a prayer, and we'll get into it. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that you've given the, um, the gospel to us, and the whole Bible, Lord, and, and the people that have written it under your direction, and, and through your um, word, being spoken through them, being put into writing for us to read and to learn from, Lord. Help us this morning to learn more from it, and that we can put it to use in our, our lives, Lord, how we can serve you each and every day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so we're looking again at 1 Corinthians 3, verses 4 to 15. So if you can open that again in your Bibles, that would be very helpful, thank you. So I first uh, have a wee story to illustrate uh, what we're looking at this morning. Uh, a lot of people that preach on this will preach more on the, on the building side, especially if they built a new building like this. And, and I was sort of looking at it and I was thinking, well, there's the other side of it is also the servantness in the, that's in this verse, in these verses. And so I was sort of looking more into how we can serve the Lord better. So during the American Revolution War, there was a man in civilian clothes. He rode past a group of soldiers and they were repairing a small defensive barrier. Their leader was shouting instructions, but he was making no attempt to help them. Asked why by the rider, he retorted with great indignity, saying, Sir, I am a corporal. The stranger apologised, dismounted, and proceeded to help the exhausted soldiers. The job done, he turned to the corporal and said, Mr. Corporal, next time you have a job like this and not enough men to do it, go to your commander-in-chief and I will come and help you again. The stranger was none other than George Washington himself. Are we willing to be a servant? What position are we willing to serve in? How are we serving our commander-in-chief? What we see in the start of this passage is that Paul and Apollos, who have been honoured as leaders, simply referring to themselves as servants. As we look more in depth in these verses today, keep in mind also the examples of Jesus that he gave us, from washing the disciples' feet to serving people in all the many different ways that he did in his time on earth. So let's have a look at some of the history and the background of this reading this morning. In the church in Corinth, in Corinth it was founded by probably Apostle Paul in approximately AD 50. In verses 6 and 10 that we looked at earlier, we'll look at them again, is that he says, I planted the seed. And also in verse 10 he says, I laid the foundation. So it's mostly referring to Paul and how he founded the church there. And what I've managed to research is that Paul and Apollos weren't there at the same time. There could have been quite a bit of different time when they came. And that Apollos was referred to the one that watered. As we've seen again in verse 6. Apollos watered but God made it grow, and each of us builds on it, isn't it, in verse 10. Someone else builds on it, so that's referring to Apollos. So this letter Paul writes to the church of Corinth was written approximately three years after he'd planted the church, approximately AD 53. The people of Corinth had come from a long history of being surrounded by different gods and religions. So understandably they got muddled with the different upbringings of their members, the differences from the passing through teachers, and even more so than what we have in our current times, with which gets all the division, doesn't it? Some more background I found on Apollos online is, 
And also in, in our word here in Acts 18, 24 to 26, it says in there, it says, Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. Verse 26, He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of the Lord more adequately. So Luke described the internate preacher Apollos as an eloquent man and mighty in the scripture. Usually a preacher is one or the other, or neither. Several examples of ones who are both are Charles Spurgeon, Charles Stanley, and Chuck Swindell. I guess if your name is Charlie, you have a leg up on the competition. As we look through this passage, we'll see there's three different illustrations that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians to show the church at Corinth that the teachings they've heard are all based on the foundation of Christ and what his sacrifice for us means. The first word picture, the city of Corinth was famous for its grapes. That's where we see our growing part of this, at the start of verse, uh, chapter 3. And also, there's a lot of building activity happening in Corinth in the 4th decade of the 1st century AD, so that's where that second analogy comes from. The third illustration is later on in 1 Corinthians 4.1 that a person should think of us in this way as servants of Christ and managers of the mysteries of God. First point, the message to the Corinthians and how to serve. Let's look back at verses 4 to 6. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What after all is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants from whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So Paul planted and Apollos watered, what does this mean? It means one of the problems has come about in the church is this division. There's been groups forming that they say they follow different teachings or even follow different apostles. There seems to be even mixed teachings happening from the visiting teachers, possibly from Apollos before he had corrected in what we just read in Acts. Some seem to know the teachings of John the Baptist in this church, the baptism of repentance, but they had not been taught much about Jesus and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the blessings after the ascension, the speaking in tongues, or regular people prophesying. So now that the church has been going for a number of years, the differences are having an impact on the unity of this congregation. Some members are saying that they follow the teachings of Paul and some of Paulus. The people of Corinth are being distracted from what they first believed and heard. They are forming groups of what they believe instead of focusing in the message of Jesus, the loving, serving, and teaching of others. Carrying on from verse 6 again, it says, So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labour. The people who plant and water the seeds are important, but without God growing the seed, it is pointless. I grew up on a vegetable farm, and my parents were market gardeners, and would have uh, punnets of trays of plants, and would get all the peat in the, in the tray, and would squash it all down, and put all the individual seeds in, and these trays would hold 230 broccoli or collies. And we could water them every day, but we couldn't make the seed grow, can we? It was up to God to make the, the plant grow. So we need the S-O-N sun to save us and grow us, just like the plants in our garden need the S-U-N to make them grow, don't they? 
in verses second half of six and verse seven says both of them say, but God made it grow. So we look at the end of that. God made it grow, and also in the end of verse seven, God who makes things grow. We can't make it grow without God. He's the one that makes it grow. So this division amongst this congregation is being corrected by Paul to show that the Corinthians are to focus on Christ and follow him wholeheartedly, not to be divisive in groups, not to get muddled in different teachings. So all their serving and service to God needed to be done with Christ as the foundation, not the baptism of John. But Paul or Apollos didn't suffer and die for them to forgive their sins either. Christ did that for them. Isaiah 28 verse 16 says, So this is what the Sovereign Lord says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. Move down to verses 8 to 9 now. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labour. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Paul is now including them in the illustration. They can plant and water also, or they, can share the, they should be sharing the true gospel message to others around them. When they do, they will see God do the growing, and they will be rewarded for their labour. So our main point this morning is God alone makes it grow. To keep that in mind this morning. So here we move on from the, the growing analogy more into the, the building analogy, verses 10 to 11. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So these verses are very similar to the illustration of the plant. Here Paul is describing that he laid the foundation and that Apollos and others are building on it. But as we look into verse 11 and the next point more, we all need to be careful how we build on that foundation of the message of Christ. No one should build any foundation that is not of Christ and his salvation gift. And the promised worker to be sent after Jesus, ascension, the Holy Spirit. He leads and guides us, doesn't he? Verses 12 to 13. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay and straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. Yes, the work the Corinthians are doing in the community would show over time. Would they be doing long-lasting, positive work for the growing of the Lord's kingdom? Or would it show to be hay or straw, a useless waste of effort, that when the testing times came, that would be burnt up, and that believers would be burnt up in it. Would, would it last like precious stones and gold? The issues of whose teaching they were following back in verse 5 would affect all their efforts and how they are sharing the gospel message to unbelievers. So the efforts would easily be described by the image of the precious metals, the stones, the wood, the hay and the straw. How would it show up? Would it last through times of trouble and hardship or would it burn up? So verses 14 and 15 is very similar to the, the plant analogy in, in 8 and 9, isn't it? If he has, what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only is one escaping through the flames. The work of the gospel they preach and teach will be tried and tested. 
The reward they receive in heaven will depend on the quality of the gospel they share. The sufferer lost will be how discouraged and dejected the believers would be, would have got from testing and persecution. The salvation of the believers in this case was assured, but only as one escaping through the flames. So if these are not serving or teaching correctly, it is a waste to God's kingdom. It's burned up. Rather too close for comfort, I would think, these words from Paul would likely have had the waking up effect he was striving to teach them when he wrote them this letter. Another story I found online to illustrate the serving of Jesus. In 1878, when William Booth's Salvation Army was beginning to make its mark, men and women from all over the world began to enlist. One man who had once dreamed of becoming a bishop crossed the Atlantic from America to England to enlist. His name was Samuel Bringle. He left a fine pastorate to join Booth's army. But at first, General Booth accepted his services reluctantly and grudgingly. Booth said to Bringle, you've been your own boss too long. And in order to instill humility in Bringle, he set him to work cleaning the boots of the other trainees. Discouraged, Bringle said to himself, have I followed my own fancy across the Atlantic in order to black boots? And then as in a vision, he saw Jesus bending over the feet of rough, unlettered fishermen. Lord, he whispered, you wash their feet, I will black their shoes. The church in Corinth in receiving this letter is being challenged in how they are investing their efforts. Are they sharing Jesus as the way to salvation? Are they serving the gospel message with humility? Are they teaching the long-lasting, life-changing truths? The golden gems kinds of impacts into lives of family, friends and neighbours. Not stuck on talking divisive things that cause strife and will burn up lives and relationships like the burnable items, the wood, the hay and the straw. Remember, we can serve, but God makes things grow. So the way we should serve is my next point. So the message to us in the scripture we are studying today is not that much different than it was to the Corinthians that it was first sent and addressed to. We too are influenced by our culture, our upbringing, both in our families and communities and the churches we have we've attended over our lives. You may not have had the varied background that I have. I first grew up in a Catholic home and later went to Apostolic Church and Church of Christ and Presbyterian churches in between. And these backgrounds we've gone through in our lives can have both negative and positive impacts, can it? We can see where leaderships and doctrines are not aligned with God's word. Was the foundation of the message we heard in these other churches based on Jesus as the cornerstone? These, of course, is, there, of course, is other impacts on our growth on the foundation of God. Like I said earlier, Paulus is one of the speakers that was eloquent and mighty in the scriptures. He was not misleading the people of Corinth intentionally. So we had to watch where we get our influences from. We had to have good examples of people that are eloquent and mighty in scriptures. Like the three Charles of earlier, they can be both uplifting and eloquent. We need to know the word of God well ourselves to make sure that what we're hearing is both mighty in scriptures and true in teachings that we're listening to. As it said in verse 11, is it laid on the foundation of Christ alone and no other? It's the message that we are living in our daily lives, at work, home, school, or wherever. Are they gold, silver, and precious stones? Is the message that we're sharing long-lasting and having a positive impact on these people's lives about the true salvation message. 
as it a plant that's growing and being nurtured and watered regularly. One commentary I read was quite insightful. But let every man take heed. There may be bad building on a good foundation. Nothing must be laid upon it but what the foundation will bear. And what is a piece with it? Let us not dare to join a merely human or a carnal life with a divine faith. The corruption of sin with the profession of Christianity. We wouldn't want to build something that's not designed for that foundation. You wouldn't want to build a rubbish compactor on a skyscraper foundation, would we? We live in a world that has so many pulling influences, both positive and negative. The internet and the accessibility of televangelists or podcasts and speakers, they can be daunting on our thoughts. It's important to hold to the true gospel foundations and the teachings in in their word. Is what I'm hearing in line with and matching to the Bible? Are these teachers humble servants like Paul and Apollos? The love we give to people around us in our community and neighbours, is it serving and love as Jesus did? And the examples I gave earlier having the greatest impact on the people around us. Will it be lasting like gold, silver and precious stones? The relationships that I built in this way have the best that, sorry, the relationships that are built in this way had the best opportunities to be of growth to young seeds and planted at various stages in a person's life. Seeds that may be planted when people were young at school, they might have been Bible in schools or a youth group, and perhaps they've attended a church at some stage in their life. We don't know when this seed will start to grow again. We just have to keep watering it, praying that God will make it grow at the right time. Life can be just what is needed, and when it is needed, the seed that's planted. When we allow ourselves to be guided by the Holy Spirit, just like plants that we water in our gardens at home, we are to do what we can to sharing the word to others, make it last like gold, precious stones. So in times of trouble and hardships, that it lasts through these times of trials. So on the market garden, when we'd grow these plants, we'd have them inside the tunnel house, and they'd grow nice and big, vegetable plants. But they would have to go through times of a bit of hardening. So we wouldn't leave them and put them straight outside in the paddock because they'd get windblown and they'd break their little stems, wouldn't they? So we'd bring them out of the tunnel house and have them outside for a week and water them out there so they'd get a bit of wind and a bit of testing and a bit of trials so that when they did go out in the paddock, they wouldn't break, that they'd stay strong and firm and not die and wither. So it's a bit like that analogy that we need to have that times of trials and testing in the world, don't we? We need to be there to encourage people, especially young in faith, how we can encourage them to grow. I found some more commentary online that that helps explain it a bit better than my words. Another wonderful blessing in Christ is the foundation that he provides for all who live by his grace. As with buildings, lives also need solid foundations. Our foundation is a person, just like it says in verse 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. By the grace of God enabling him, Paul ministered the gospel of Jesus Christ. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, he said. In doing this, he was laying the only reliable spiritual ground for living as God intended. So many people attempt to lay other foundations for their lives. Some turn to earthly riches. Others hope in human wisdom. Others put their confidence in personal power and influence. 
Such vain pursuits are like attempting to construct a building upon shifting, sinking sand. And this commentary finishes with saying, Our lives need a rock foundation. It has always been the Father's purpose to provide such for his people. There's some psalms here that David used even before this was written about Corinthians. David experienced this through his pilgrimage. As he trusted the Lord, from the end of the earth I will cry to you, he says. When my heart is overwhelmed, leave me to the rock that is higher than I. Psalm 61 verse 2. In the most extreme situations on earth, when circumstances were overwhelming him, David cried out to his God. He looked to the Lord to be, his, to be him a rock upon which he could stand above the rolling waves of impossibility. And Psalm 62 verse 6 said, He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defence. I shall not be moved. So David stood in the Lord alone as a solid spiritual ground. Standing by faith, he would not be destroyed. Of course, the ultimate expression of God being a rock to his people would be in the coming of the Son of God to earth as a man. And again, as I read earlier, the great plan the Lord promised through Isaiah. Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Isaiah 28:16. Jesus is that proven, priceless, secure foundation. Now all who stand on him by faith will not be driven about frantically, searching for solid ground on which to plant their feet. So these scriptures and commentary that I've just read show the need we have to keep building, living, and teaching from this mighty foundation that all starts with humble, servant-hearted service to our Heavenly Father. When times are tough, things are not well for ourselves, families or friends, or our neighbours, remember to stay secure in the foundation of Jesus, serving others and sharing what we have with them. How to have impact on others that lasts, my last title. Now, when I was writing this uh, for my sermon in Grace and Gore, it was um, middle of October, and I just read with my wife the radio email for that uh, week was from Friday the 13th of October, um, word for today. And it said, studying the Bible is a bit like prospecting for gold or silver. And I thought that would tie in quite well with what I'm talking about with these precious stones. It involves two things. You must look for it. Solomon writes, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand and find the knowledge of God. That's from Proverbs 2, 4 and 5. Simply stepping into a mine and glancing around won't cut it. If you want to get to the gold or the silver, you must search for it. Any miner will inform you that gold doesn't strike you, you strike gold. The purpose of any devotional isn't to replace regular Bible readings, but to whet your spiritual appetite for it. According to the Barma Research Group, this must be an American group, I guess, only 9% of Christians read the Bible every day. The question is, are you one of them? And the second part of that word for the day said, you must dig for it. The Spirit of God within you speaks to you as you read his word. The story is told about a man who loved to study the Bible. Every time he came to something he didn't understand, his friend Charlie would pop into his mind. Charlie was a great Bible student who seemed to ooze with biblical wisdom. So whenever the first man encountered a Bible question, he would go to Charlie and say, what does this verse mean? What is God trying to say here? And one day he was reading his Bible and the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, why don't you just ask me? I'm the one who teaches Charlie. So we need to expect God to reveal himself to us and look forward and dig into his word, and he will. 
the preachers we are listening to in our person, in our daily lives or online, are they speaking God's word accurately? Is it based on the foundation of Jesus Christ as the risen Lord? Is the baptism message we have received and tell others about, both the messages of John and later baptism of the Holy Spirit? The planting that we've been called to do is in the Great Commission, isn't it? Remember that's in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Remember, Jesus is with us. We've been blessed with the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. How we use the abilities and the time we have been given is up to each one of us. Will we put a great effort into sharing God's true gift of salvation? Will you give time and energy into serving in the building of the Church of Jesus Christ? Striving to make relationships and impacts into people's lives that last. That's how we can do with our friends and family, isn't it? Neighbours. That last through times of trial, like the fine metals and gems. Not like this uh, wood and straw and hay that burns up. We do praise God for the growth of the Grace Churches, don't we? And it's encouraging when we have new faces and visitors come in, isn't it? How can we help these new faces and how can we um, to ask them what we can do? We to ask them questions, don't we, of where they would like to know more. Uh, we did a bit of a survey recently at church on how we can make home groups better because... Uh, I'm not sure if you guys are having a similar thing. We're trying to find out why people aren't coming or are coming and see how we can encourage each other. This is just one of the ways that we can be of encouragement to our congregations. And I'm sure the elders in your church will be welcome any feedback or any any comments or questions of how they can help you one-on-one or in these kind of groups. This is how we can help to flourish our church and how we can help to to grow our community and to bring people to, to know the real foundation message Jesus Christ so there's all people that there's all sorts of people in our community that do these kind of outreaches whether it's at schools and launch pads holiday programs or running studies in homes even talking to our neighbours and workmates about Christ can be hard for sure but how we live our daily lives can be our greatest testimony to, to everyone can it if we're living daily for Christ not just Sundays the people around us will know we are not of this world by how we act and talk. We know that they can see that we're here to serve Christ as our Lord. Because remember the story I shared earlier of the man wanting to become a bishop in the Salvation Army, but had to go back to serving from the bottom, shining the boots. But just as the servant Jesus was to us, he led by a great example of washing the smelly feet of this fisherman, wasn't he? Shining his boots was his serving. So in conclusion this morning, remember, God makes the work we do serving him wholeheartedly grow like plants in our garden. New believers can find times of trial and and blowing in the wind, and it could be impacting onto these young plants. How can we look to encourage and grow these young new plants? Then time will produce the fruit of the kingdom. Because we follow in the footsteps of the greatest servant example of all, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us. Remember, God makes it all grow. Close with the prayer and we have a next song.
O Lord, my rock, you are the only foundation that I will ever need for my life. I've tried to stand on so many things that prove to be sinking sand. Lord, I want to place all of my hope for spiritual stability in you. When circumstances threaten to inundate me, be to me my rock of refuge in the storm. Amen.